HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. So here we are today. It's me, Zara Tangora, and... And me, Bobby Comforto. And we are the mother-daughter team behind Processing here on Heritage Radio Network, which is a show about the intersection of food and grief. Bobby, hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to... And we're here to talk about today um, our beloved host network, Heritage Radio Network, um, and just talk to you a little bit about the importance of listener support. So if you enjoy listening to this podcast or any of the other wonderful podcasts that we have here on HRN, the best way to show your support is to become an HRN member. Bobby, don't you think that HRN is a cool club to become a member of? I think it's amazing. And from the beginning when we were recording at Roberta's and, you know, meeting all the staff and having that wonderful space and realizing all the interesting shows that are on here. I, I just looked last night to see the array of new shows and different shows all about food and spirits. And it's a wonderful network to be a part of. Yes, it is a wonderful network and it is a great honor to be on here. And so, you know, you can also set up a recurring monthly donation for any amount of money. It can be $1, $5, $10, a different amount. Um, and you can choose the show this show processing, if you'd like, um, in the designated drop-down menu as a, a way to kind of donate. Um, so you can count on Bobby and I each week to make this show. We love doing it. We love talking with the incredible people who are generous in spirit enough to come on and share these really compelling um, and often difficult stories. Intimacy, and yes. Hang on, can you cut that part? What was that, Bobby? I just said, and the intimate stories. I just said intimate. Um, so I'm going to go back a little bit. So you can count on Bobby and I to come on each week and, and welcome our wonderful guests to share these intimate, beautiful stories that um, about their lives. And All right, I'm going to go back, actually. Cut that. Um, so you can count on Bobby and I to come on each week to keep making episodes of processing uh, and interviewing amazing, wonderful people who are so generous of spirit and sharing these very intimate, vulnerable stories uh, with us and with you guys. And we want to keep keep working together to keep it going. Yes. And part of it, we have to support the structure that's supporting us to be here. Absolutely. That's a really, really good way of putting it. Uh, so at Heritage Radio Network, we like to give our regular special treatment. Sign up to become a monthly donor and get access to our very special secret menu. 
Uh, we've gathered exclusive discounts and offers from some of our favorite food and beverage brands. Enjoy insider pricing on goods that will ship right to your door. Uh, become our community. I'm sorry, uh, right to your door. Join our community of monthly donors. Special deals will come right your way throughout the summer. Um, so yeah, we encourage you guys to become a monthly sustaining member at HRN uh, and go on to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to get started. Thanks. Thank you for joining us and thank you, HRN. Welcome to Processing, a show about the intersection of food and grief with your hosts, me, Bobby Conforto. <laughs> and you, Zara Tangora. <laughs> I, I tricked you. I knew you the last couple of episodes, you just snuck right in there and stole my name. So I thought today the joke's on you. Um, hi, Bobby. How are you? I'm good. I feel my heart is filled with warmth and love and tears are in my eyes and from, from joy and love. And it was just a, such a wonderful episode with our best friend, Kathy Bodily. Yeah, I mean, this was a great episode. I'm not going to give too much away because I feel like you guys should really tune in, but it's a cat. It's a, Oh, Kathy Bodily Returns episode to kind of update us on some of the things that have happened in her life. She was one of our first guests, and she is an incredible friend, human being, uh, an incredibly inspirational person. I think that I felt changed after this episode, and I know her really well. And this episode was full of a lot of, I think because it was with a friend and a trusted person, it was full of a lot of real human shit, you know? Uh, defensiveness uh, at times, <laughs> anger a little bit, of, you know, in the in leading up to it, um, love, sincerity, joking. I mean, it really kind of had all of the uh, tenets of real human emotion in there. Wisdom, pain, yeah, yeah, lots, yeah. Um, but a wonderful episode, and we couldn't be more grateful to have Kathy and. Kathy is uh, such a maternal figure to so many people, and I guarantee it's going to kind of f- probably feel that way to many of you, and also a friend. And just so when we talk about people who are warm, I'm not sure that, you know, Kathy could be any warmer. I don't know if I know anyone who is as warm, and uh, it's really She's pretty. a bright star. She's the brightest star in the sky. Yeah, it's pretty special. It's pretty special. We're lucky <laughs> to, to know yes. this person and have them as one of the close people in our lives, and uh, we are so excited to be able to just share her with you. And Kathy, thank you so much for your time. You're so welcome. Enjoy oh, this there episode. There she is. Yeah, guest star on the, on, the, on the intro. Little teaser. Okay. We love you guys and take care of yourselves and each other. Be Bye. well. Bye. here today with one of our favorite guests of all time uh, and she's one of our favorite guests of all time because she is such a close family friend she's a family member really um the incomparable miss kathy bodily kathy hi welcome back to processing thank you so much it's been a couple of years it has so you were really i think our first guest and one of the first episodes that we aired, and it was such a wonderful episode, and you also have such a great quote that um, 
is included in our processing trailer, which was about um, Ben and when after Michael's passing, you took a pint of Cherry Garcia into your bed and had a threesome with ben, you and Ben and Jerry, <laughs> which I think about all the time. It's such a sweet, funny thing. <laughs> ben and two Jerry's. <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of cherries. <laughs> and a bunch of cherries. You know, they make that ice cream so chunky because one of them, I can't remember who it is, Ben, uh, it must be either Ben or Jerry, um, can't taste, so he can only kind of feel. So that's why there's so many chunks in that ice cream. Ah. Oh, that's interesting. I know. So I I wonder if his sense of smell is gone, too. I don't know. I mean, I I think they're usually kind of closely tied, yeah? Yes. Yeah. So it's so nice to see you guys, and you're both together today at your house, and I wish I was there with you or that we were all in the studio like last time, but it's wonderful to kind of spend the morning together just however we can. And Kathy, so much has happened with you since we last had you on the show, and we just thought it would be uh, a great opportunity for kind of an update because, you know, life changes and happens and what's happened to you in the really weeks following our interview last time you had some really major life changes and we're hoping you can talk to us about that today I did uh one day I had a a tiny pain uh under my left breast and another one in my armpit left armpit and um I called my doctor to see if she could see me that day, and she couldn't. Uh, She wasn't in the office, and I called my cardiologist, and he was in the hospital. And uh, the nurse asked what, you know, I said, could you book me an appointment? And she said, what's going on? And I told her, and she said, go to the emergency room immediately. And I said, no, 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 it's not, you know, it's just a little pain. And she said to me, this is a doctor's order. Go to the emergency room immediately. Uh, he will go to the to the emergency room in half an hour. And if you're not there, uh, you know, we're going to call you back. Hmm. Oh. So I drove myself to the emergency room and they did a cardiac workup on me. And it wasn't a cardiac thing, which I didn't think it was. But when they looked at uh, my abdomen... The CT of the heart also shows the abdomen. They found I had stage two pancreatic cancer that Mm. had, at that point, uh, uh, squeezed off the blood supply and uh, essentially killed my uh, spleen Mm. and uh, was eating the tail end of my pancreas, which is not the working end. So that sent me on the journey of a lifetime. I bet. I know. I mean, we know. Uh, I don't actually even know where to start, but I am compelled to ask if you feel okay sharing or, you know, whatever. What is that moment kind of like when you hear that news? What was, what was the feeling you had? Well, here was the interesting thing. Uh, one of my dear, dear, dear friends, who's a nurse practitioner, when I got, they sent me to the hospital, I called her and she was working and she said, I'll get there as soon as I can. And, uh, when, 
while I was while I was in the little cubby in the emergency room, uh, they were telling all kinds of people all kinds of terrible things. Mm-hmm. And when it came time to tell me what was wrong with me, they brought me out of that room and into a into a little uh, room with with what I would refer to as a Victorian fainting chair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they used to have those fainting couches for. Uh, that's women. right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, when they when they heard that Mary Beth was a nurse practitioner who had been practicing for more than thirty years, uh, they stopped talking to me and started talking to her. Mm. And uh, music started to play in my head, which it always does. Uh, and I'm watching her face and the nurse's face and hearing just little snips of the conversation over the music that uh, was playing. And uh, I walked out of there knowing that I was in deep, deep stuff. That pancreatic cancer is uh, one of the most deadly, that it kills people quickly uh, that whether I was, uh, quote, lucky to find it at stage two, which most people don't, uh, I wasn't lucky at all. Yeah. As your friend, I remember we, we all knew that this was, you know, such an emergency. It was such a serious, serious emergency. And we, I remember we felt so grateful that that little pain that you felt, right? It wasn't even a pain. Didn't you tell me it was almost like a... A fluttering of a, a bird? A oh. little twinge, yeah. yeah. Sometimes your bodies will just tell us things that aren't related. I had a very dear friend um, who, when he was 26, he went, he was like out at a show or something, and he came home and he started throwing up blood. And he went to the hospital, obviously, immediately, and found out that like only one of his heart valves was still working. But the blood was completely unrelated had nothing to do with it. They're like, we have no idea why you were throwing up blood. It was no, it was like no, you know, it was just a sign. The body was just like, here's a sign. Something's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I want to let you know something's wrong. And if he had never, if he hadn't gone into the hospital, I mean, he could have had a major heart attack and died. It's just interesting the way our bodies kind of give us a little birdie that was waking you up. Well, you know, uh, I had breast cancer more than 20, I guess, 22 years ago now. And one day I was standing, it was August, and I was standing on my deck and I was looking at my uh, front, the front of my property, deciding where I was going to plant fall bulbs. Uh, And I heard this little voice in my head that said, dis-ease, I don't feel sick, but I have dis-ease. And somehow I walked into my house and I picked up the phone and I dialed my radiologist who I'd been having An affair mammograms. With? No. <laughs> right? no affair. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, but I'd been having mammograms for many years. I couldn't, I never knew his phone number by heart. I couldn't tell you 
the moment before that happened, what it was, and I couldn't tell you now, but I dialed that number and I said, I need a mammogram. And the nurse who'd been there for many years said to me, it's August. You always get them in December, uh, which my grandmother, who was very smart, told me when I was a young woman, as soon as I started getting my period, that uh, every year you go to the doctor in the in the month you were born, huh. it mm. closes the book, closes the chapter on this year uh, with a clean bill of health. And then it opens the new chapter uh, with nice, clean pages. And so I've done that for my whole life. That's a really interesting uh, way to look at your health, and I think it's pretty beautiful. Well, you know, you need a way to, you need to stay on top of your health uh, in order for nothing to get out of, you know, out of control. Uh, but, uh, it's hard to remember to do that. Life is busy and, you know, you don't really think about doctors until there's something wrong or really wrong. Absolutely. So Kathy, you are someone who, and I'm sure we, I would have to go back and reference to know exactly what we said, but I know we mentioned in our last episode, um, with you, what a phenomenal cook what a liver of life, what a, a person who loves food and the celebration around it and preparing it. And I mean, everything. Um, and you know, this obviously really changed that relationship for you. Um, how, how, what was the kind of timeline with that of your relationship with food and in relation to your diagnosis of pancreatic cancer? Well, uh, 10 days after I got diagnosed, I had surgery and, um, I had a surgical complication that built, uh, a fluid sac, uh, around. So the tumor was wrapped around the artery that feeds the, uh, the, uh, organs in your abdomen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that has, that's what. Uh, starved off the spleen and was was starving the pancreas. So um, that was the site, one of the main sites of the uh, surgery. And uh, the body has this way of uh, building essentially a, a liquid pillow uh, that surrounds the wounded area in order to protect it. And unfortunately... Uh, the wounded area also was right where my esophagus meets the stomach. And uh, it blocked off my ability to swallow fully. So so in three months, I lost 45 pounds. And uh, at first... Uh, I thought, what a wonderful, you know, side effect that I've never been a skinny girl. Uh, uh, my mate, Michael, who was 6'3 and skinny, uh, used to say we were a perfect uh, pair because 
he was a string bean and I was a nice ripe tomato. And that together we made a wonderful dish. Oh, that's true. That is true. String bean and tomatoes are delicious together. But uh, a tomato that uh, that turns into uh, essentially a sun-dried tomato uh, from getting no nutrients for a long time uh, was really... uh, Thrilling on one hand and terrifying on the other. I couldn't eat anything. Nothing would go down. Um, I was frustrated. I was always hungry. I was, um, I was very afraid for my life that I was just going to starve to death. And I even at one point thought about what's the point of trying to, uh, put food into you as nutritious and delicious as I was making it. Um, if it's going nowhere. Right. So something so important to you in your life, you know, food has been right. Um, your enjoyment, your pleasure, your uh, interest, your hobby, your passion, um, something that was so important. And I remember the time you know, you're so smart and you kept trying to think, we all did, trying to think of ideas of what you could eat and what you could think of. I remember one day you and I sat down and we, we were talking and we said, okay, hamburger, we all have a fresh hamburger with meat. And I remember running to the butcher with such passion and, and telling oh. the butcher, my best friend, she's so sick, please, could you get me the finest piece of meat you can find and grind it by hand? like Oliver. Brisket <laughs> and sirloin. So I remember bringing back the chopped meat with, there was such an urgency in my heart because all of us felt such an urgency to, to help Kathy eat and, and nourish herself. And I remember we made the hamburger and you had one bite. I made it as, just perfectly, everything I had ever learned about how to make a perfect hamburger, you know, just plain and a little salt on the outside when we were done. And I was so excited about it. And I remember the, the feeling of you not being able to eat and realizing no matter what we did, we tried everything. Yes. We even had um baked macaroni gate. <laughs> which yes. is when I came <laughs> when I came over one day and I thought, okay, we talked about it, maybe macaroni and cheese that would put weight on you. So I remember we looked through the refrigerator and we found like eight different types of cheeses and we were gonna make the greatest I was gonna make the greatest macaroni and cheese in the world. And I made this big sauce and, and it wasn't right. Nothing was right. And that feeling you know, of being your friend who loves you so much and wanted to nourish you. There was nothing that was right. 
How did that make you feel, though, Bobby? As like, what did you learn from that about? Well, we've talked maybe- about this on the show before. That you know, we've talked about how much when you love somebody and you want to nourish them and feed them and care for them, and it, it doesn't work, and you feel so powerless. So right. obviously, I felt but then, really powerless. And then what, though? So you feel powerless. Just because I think it's an important point to talk to, you know, people who are caretakers who end up in that situation where they feel Well, we had powerless. a very good, we had a show last week where we were discussing with the guest about this. And we realized that sometimes caregivers try to take away your rights in a way. They try to take away, because in their, all of the care that they have, they, they somehow try to take ownership of your disease and the process and the healing. And that was something I had to come to grips with and I had to let go. How did you do it? How did you come to grips with it? You know, like what was the, what was the turning point for you in being able to do that? It was a constant letting go because I had to realize that this was Kathy's um, life and this was her, her decisions to make. And so whatever we thought that field like was better for her, we had to realize she knew what was better for herself. So it was letting go. It was a constant letting go. Kathy, what was it like for you? And it was, and you know, there were lots of things at play. Part of it was the inability for food to pass that closed gate, essentially. Uh, And my, and um, there was a nutritionist that was uh, working uh, with the medical group that I go to. And she was saying to me, you can never eat anything raw again. You should never eat salad. You can't have fruit raw. Uh, 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 the bacteria count, uh, because you have no more spleen, you have no, no immunity. Mm. Uh, the chemo is making you auto, uh, uh, immune suppressed. Uh, so, you know, you should only eat things that are, uh, absolutely fresh, and uh, you know the source of where they're coming from, and uh, organic, and da 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 That's da overwhelming. Da, on and that on. sounds like really overwhelming. Did that kind of feel like, you know, having well, to make this? Yeah. Food yeah. felt like poison to mm. me. Wow, that's a really good point there. Food felt like poison when it's supposed to be the thing that's the nourishment. It's now becoming kind of a scary thing, almost like, what do I do? I don't want to do the wrong thing. Is that kind of is that kind of what you're saying? And then my friends would uh, all bring me wonderful, beautiful food. And I would stack it in my refrigerator, knowing that I have a thing about food in the fridge. Uh, when does it turn from food to garbage? Mm, yeah. And uh, all this food. And I could only eat a bite or so at a time. And then I would have a terrible, terrible bellyache. Uh, and my, my hunger was never satiated, but my ability to eat, uh, just wasn't there. So the food would just sit in my fridge and I couldn't eat it, uh, for both of those reasons, the, the inability of it to uh, get into my belly and the, and the fact that it would soon turn to, to something dangerous. Yeah. And I think that this is a very important point and kind of touching on what I was asking Bobby just earlier about like how like learning as a caretaker or a friend or a family member to let go. And, you know, 
it's so hard in life in general, I think, to ever get to that middle ground where we leave all of our backstory and all of our baggage and all of our own personal feelings and, you know, personal, uh, you know, what makes us a human aside and realize that like other people aren't coming from the same place. That's a very difficult thing to do anytime. But then when you add in the fact that you're worried for someone who you love so much and all you want to do is help and that feeling of helplessness. And I keep kind of circling around this and coming back to it because I think it's really quite important because I think that there's so much lost in non-communication when people are trying to be caregivers. But uh, on both ends, I think just realizing that What we're trying not to say is that this really fucking sucks, that this is really, really scary, that I don't want you to die and that I don't want to die. You know what I mean? I think assumptions that we make, too. Right. And I think we do all these things and and inform our, our own past and our trauma and our like you know, personalities inform the way that we're, well, the, this person must not, and I'm not saying this is about you guys. I'm just saying in general, you know, that this person must not like what I made or I'm not good enough or, but really what we're trying to say again is I am so fucking scared, you know? And like, we're not really conditioned. I don't think as human beings obsessed, especially in this country and societally to say, I am so fucking scared, you know? And so we say it with food and we say it with flowers and we say it with all these things that the other person coming from what Kathy just expressed, which is a very interesting perspective, that food was dangerous to her. And it was so complicated for her because she was hungry and she was also afraid of what it could do to her body in this frail state. Like just meeting in some way of, of admitting that we're both very scared, I think can... And also being scared doesn't mean you can't be hopeful because I think there's something about when someone says, hey, I'm so scared, either party, the the person who's sick or the caretaking person, I think there's some kind of like, you know, imagined um, uh, superstition in there that if you say you're scared, it's like bad luck, you know, but it's yep, not. The duality, being able to express the duality. What do you remember, Kath? So here's, here's what, uh, here's sort of what, I saw in that period uh, that other people were scared. The people who loved me were scared. And the the very deepest part of me wasn't scared. Mm. I thought I was going to die from this. Uh, I've sort of come to terms with that on a very private, didn't need to tell anybody about it level uh and every time new food came into my house even though i saw it as poison on one hand uh the part of me that is loving and understanding saw it as this amazing outpouring of love from the people around me who loved me and who Food has always been our connecting point on one point or in, uh, on one place or another. And so uh, I felt this constant river of love. And in a way, that's what nourished me in that period. It's amazing, right? The, it's not the food itself, but just the intention behind it. Uh, yes, and even as I threw it away, uh, 
and uh, and held in my hands the containers that people brought it in, uh, I would feel that as sort of like a love bucket that uh, that just sort of um, reminded me that that was a package of love that came to me, and mm-hmm. uh, and that that was uh, in that period what was going to nurture me. Now that a uh, surgical complication got smaller and smaller and there uh, that made it easier for me to eat uh and most of that weight that i was at one point thrilled to be rid of and at another point looked at myself uh like uh, a refugee in a concentration camp as skinny and not recognizable to myself most of that weight is back uh, because I've embraced food and embraced life in a way that I wasn't able to uh, in that period. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I mean, w- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kath. That, that, when, that, uh, that when you hit that turning point and uh, think, oh, maybe I'm not going to die from this, uh, then there's this... Um, uh, uh, this duality that says, I'm not afraid of dying. Uh, I've made my peace. Uh, I've done what I needed to in life. Uh, a lot of the things I thought were just closed books have opened up for me. But uh, but now uh, I, I could write a new chapter for people to read, for me to read. You know, I was thinking about what you said before that, um, sometimes you didn't tell other people how you felt. Most often you didn't tell other people how you really felt. You know, no. Even those of us that were so close to you. And I, I had seen something where bravery is being the only one who knows you're afraid. Uh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, I could see and feel the uh, uh, the pre-grieving that was going on. In all of my friends, but Kathy, there's something else about you. You know, you you teach us all of us. Um, you have such qualities of of grace and courage and bravery, and everyone who knows you learns from you. And so it wasn't that we were just scared and sad and grieving. We were also supporting the hope that that you felt and that we all felt. And there was an energy. That was very positive and very strong, but there's one issue that came up: COVID struck. Uh, COVID and cancer are not a are not a good combination. Uh, certainly, for uh, a person whose major lifelines were m- my friends and eating together. Uh, being together, uh, hugging, uh, kissing people on the mouth, uh, touching, touching, touching all the time, uh, sharing food on the same fork. Uh, that uh, that was a sense of isolation that was devastating. Yeah. Just devastating. Yeah, I mean, really, like, this was like a one-two punch. COVID happened, like, 
pretty much right as you were in treatment, right? Like very shortly, a couple months after your initial diagnosis. I mean, uh, yes, I got diagnosed in November, and that happened in March. So I was really at the, you know, at the lowest point. And what happened for you, as someone who I know have had a has had so much trauma and so much in ways. I don't want to say bad luck because bad luck makes it seem like, you know, you've done so much out of the, uh, out of the, you know, trials and tribulations that have been in your life. So I don't want to say bad luck, but you've had so many challenging situations and times when it must've felt like that. What I want to say, what is your secret? How, but what do you, what do you tell yourself when you're at those points? What did you tell yourself when it's COVID and you're going through pancreatic cancer treatment and you're alone? What, I mean, what, fed what you? is the, what is going through Kathy Bodily's head at that moment? And how do you kind of, you know, continue to do each day? Well, uh, a few things. Uh, one, uh, one that was sort of interesting and tried to put a perspective on it was, uh, this is, as Bob Dylan would say, another simple twist of fate that uh, we are all born alone and we all die alone. And uh, in this case, uh, it wasn't that uh, I had no one to love me and that's why I died alone, but that uh, I... Sometimes big things happen in the world. I always wondered, uh, during the world wars, when the world was in such chaos, the whole world, not just America and uh, and Vietnam, but uh, the whole world is, was in chaos and people continued to have children. Uh, uh, as a sign of hope for the future... Um, and that we're all stuck in our history. So, uh, so that, uh, sort of fed into it. Mm. Uh, and then there was this crazy sense of, uh, missing touch. So, uh, as a single woman, um, People don't touch you. I can't hug my uh, my friends' husbands the way I could when I was mated to someone. Yeah. Uh, yes, you can. You can hug mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bobby, I don't know. There's a you know there's a, there's just this social distance that begins to happen, and I knew that this disease was a little bit like that. And uh, the most poignant uh, uh, example of that was one night I was really in just utter despair. It was a cold, rainy uh, night in like March or April, you know, just that raw, cold, uh, waiting for spring that may never come, it feels like. 
those are really tough months though too and it's actually an interesting kind of uh, yes. to inter- interrupt you but those last kind of months of winter and March and April is kind of a a bit of a metaphor for what it probably feels like to be in such deep you know traumatic uh, yes. situation I've too. always thought that the that the a calendar photograph for March you know in July you have the beach scene with the colored umbrellas mm. uh March should be a giant a gray pile of snow in a mall parking lot. <laughs> right, with like candy wrappers and cigarette butts in it. Yeah, it's just ugly. It's the so, it's truly the worst. I'm sorry to go off course, but I just think it, it was a kind of interesting little uh, visual aid there. Well, so on this nasty, nasty night, I was in real despair. And uh, my friend Mary Beth, the nurse practitioner called me and I was just weeping on the phone and she said uh I have to go uh and sort of hung up the phone quickly and five minutes later uh she was at my door uh, with a a fold-up stadium chair and an umbrella and a blanket and a and a raincoat on uh, and she sat outside my dining room doors, and I pulled a chair up to the edge of the door, and we sat with our knees together and talking on the telephone oh. for her to be there to comfort me in uh, in this uh, way there where she was in that cold, dark place where I was emotionally and there we were almost touching Mm. but with glass between us Mm. and uh, I thought to myself who would do that you know how uh, uh, how loving is that and what a metaphor for the dark place that I was in and how easy it was for that uh, gesture to lift me out of it uh, really, it's a really beautiful, beautiful story. And Mary Beth is a beautiful person. I think to have cultivated friendships like that, Kath, and people who will show up for you like that is what there is to do here in life it is to connect with people in that way. And it is really incredible the way you're, you have the capacity to do that. And also just as a, as a reminder for people, kind of just even what we were talking about before, there's, we try on all these ways to help people and that's not always the way that they need. And that's, that's okay. That's part of it, you know, but man, just sometimes all someone needs is just for you to show up. But you know, uh, people, when people see that you're in need, they come at you with their own, uh, with their own sense of what they think you need. An agenda, their own agenda. Uh, And, uh, and much of the time, you don't know what you need. Right. You just, I, I just knew that I was uh, in a traumatic kind of a place and that um, it, every love packet that got delivered to me was, uh, was the nourishment that was feeding me. Um, I think knowing you, Kathy, also that your history... And your history of your philosophy of life fed you as well. 
because uh, you learned from your grandparents, you know, from your experiences in life. Um, absolutely. And so many things from your love of music and, and all the things you learned from poetry of music. And I think you bring all that with you, too. And that's part of what forms your courage and your strength. I do. And I was also, uh, uh, I'm very clear on understanding that I was born with a happy soul and that th- that is one of my greatest gifts, uh, that uh, it's, it's easy for me to uh, rise above the, the darkness. And it's interesting that that, uh, uh, that, that attitude doesn't necessarily get uh, uh, given to each sibling in a family. Like, uh, I had four siblings, three brothers and a sister, and not all of them were uh, were just happy, la-di-da attitude people. Um... And certainly my sister, uh, who's my only remaining sibling, uh, looks at things from a much darker, much more uh, cynical way than I do. Uh, her, uh, Her attitude about men, even the men in her own family, her husband and her sons, uh, is... Oh boys, you know they ju- they ju- they just have their own thing, and uh, uh, you just have to sort of put up with the boyness of them. Well, you know, you know, if we asked our common friend Bob Cook, the astrologer, about this stuff, I'm sure he'd have a lot to say about why people are born with different kind of temperaments. As one point of view, he's a Jungian therapist and an astrologer, and so all that's very, very interesting. Right, the exact moment, the exact star and position that we're born in has an influence too. That's the right. concept of astrology, which, you know, when you think of the bigger universe, it kind of makes sense. We're, we're children of the universe. When, yeah. you know. We are children of the universe, but we're also children of two imperfect humans <laughs> who totally. come together in a moment to, uh, to create a new life. Uh, and I'm never sure about the positioning of of stars or astrology. Uh, and M- Michael used to have a wonderful way of uh, expressing it. You know, some people would say, oh, Mercury is in retrograde. And his answer was always, no, Venus is up Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic one. Um, good old, good old Michael. He was a funny guy. Um, well, Kathy, you know we're we're talking about um, this experience of not being able to eat and of having pancreatic cancer. We're almost talking about it as if it's in the past sense. So tell us, what's your current situation? Well, I no longer have cancer in my pancreas or anywhere in my abdomen. But it migrated into my lungs uh, earlier this year. I had a few months where uh, I was 
uh, where I thought I was cancer-free and I was jubilant. And then it went to my lungs. So now I've just finished a, a long round of chemotherapy. I started that uh, Christmas week. Um, and I just finished about three weeks ago. I actually took a, a, a week off, uh, what I called an extra week of parole, <laughs> uh, to go t- uh, back to Utah to visit my family for a family funeral and one of the best visits I've ever, ever had there. And um, when I came back, my doctor told me that we should probably not do infusions anymore, but he was going to put me on this um, essentially oral chemo uh, that is a maintenance drug that is absolutely fascinating in the way it works. Uh, It does three different things. Uh, The drug targets cancer cells and uh, has a mechanism that pokes a hole in the cancer cell and kills it from within. The second way it works is uh, it it encases the cancer cell and squeezes it it out. And the third way that it works is that because tumors uh, need, uh, in order to grow, need to be fed by blood supply, uh, blood vessels grow to feed the tumor. And this, uh, this, stops the blood flow, uh, those, stops those blood vessels from being, uh, from being uh, able to feed the tumor. So yeah, it's a wonder drug. We had quite the celebration um, knowing that this was possible for you. Uh, yes. It could buy me months. And uh, when I told another friend about me, about it, she uh, and I explained the mechanism. She said, "Oh, my husband, who had cancer for thirteen years, uh, was on this drug for nine years, and uh, it kept his cancer at bay for nine out of thirteen years." That's amazing. That's amazing. It is amazing. And maybe I won't get that long, uh, but. Uh, whatever I get uh, will be uh, such a gift. And so I started it a week, uh, 10 days ago, and it's been really tough. Uh, the, the, uh, the side effects, um, I usually don't have side effects, and when I did with infusions, they would shoot me full of cortisone, so I was... You know, like uh, running on super fuel. I remember that with my dad. He had the same thing. He would take really intense uh, Until I crashed. But I learned to, you know, I learned to understand how that mechanism worked. And right now, the this new drug is kicking my butt. Uh, and I'm getting used to it. So I'm understanding right. how to deal with that. Uh, and... Uh, it's one of those that the the bottle says 
you have to use uh, gloves to handle the, the pills, to touch the bottle. So I started to see it as the way I saw food, something dangerous. And um, now I just pour it into, pour two little pills morning and night into these uh, beautiful, tiny little crystal shot glasses that were my grandma's. And, uh, and I uh, lift it up to the sky and say, here's hoping, and swallow them down. And um, I'm getting used to it, and I'm going to learn to embrace it, and it's going to work. And if anybody can do that, Kathy, it's you. So strong, Kathy. So yeah. I'm curious, what are, some, what are some foods that are bringing you some kind of joy as of late? And I know maybe it's different with this past since you started this drug, but whatever as of late means to you. I'm just curious about what you've been able to enjoy lately. Well, I have to tell you, even when I couldn't eat, I would cook for myself and cook for the aide who was staying with me to help me. Uh, because she was not exactly a cook. Uh, and, uh, and I've cooked all the way through and, uh, and food is still my, uh, uh, my passion, uh, and my joy. There's, I'm never happier than when I'm in my, uh, when I'm in my kitchen. You're an amazing cook, Kath. And you, did you start going to restaurants? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, things do you like these days? Mm. Uh, I'm loving uh, pizzas. There's a there's a, a restaurant that is right next door to the theater that Michael and I used to run. And um, uh, they have these great pizzas. So the other day I had a uh, fig jam uh, roasted fig, prosciutto, mm. and ricotta. Yeah, that was absolutely delicious. Um, I've been making uh, uh, chicken wings uh, oh. with all kinds of crazy concocted sauces. Um, uh, I learned from you, Zar, that I've uh, uh, about. Uh, uh, a feta tzatziki that w- was just unbelievable. Mm, so yum. I've been having that with uh, with pita bread. So good. Or chips or crudite. Um, uh, last night I had uh, an Italian sweet sausage with um, fresh made uh rigatoni uh, uh, that was stuffed with rigotta cheese and Ooh, a vodka sauce a stuffed rigatoni with sausage and vodka sauce now that i'm gonna stop you right there that is a very i mean i'm sure they have it in other places in the country but to me a dish like that is a very long island kind of italian dish that you're not going to find many other places that sounds delicious where did you where did you have that what was Well, I actually bought it, uh, the fresh pasta at Uncle Giuseppe's. Okay. uh, Which is sort of my guilty pleasure shopping place. Fun. Uh, Yeah. You know, um, 
I don't. Some people go to the grocery store, but I prefer to market. Oh, me too. So uh, I go one place for vegetables or two places for vegetables, and then I buy my meat at a butcher, and uh, uh, I buy only staples. I always wonder what people think when I go into a grocery store and all I'm buying is like, (laughs) you know, uh, toilet paper and, and half and half. I'm the same. I'm I'm the same kind of shopper because also it's kind of fun to like go around and get the things you need to get and know like this place special. I mean, if you have, of course that's like a, you know, position of privilege to be able to shop like that, but it is very fun. So Kathy, are you telling us that you stuff the rigatoni yourself? Oh no. Oh, she bought it stuffed, which is, a revelation. Giuseppe, I didn't know Giuseppe that even existed. himself. I thought you were at a restaurant. Giuseppe himself is stuffing the rigatoni. Well, Kathy, I mean, we ask everyone the same thing. We've asked you this before, and I don't know. I mean, I, I obviously, we've been talking about a different set of circumstances. Is there any advice that maybe you could have given yourself at whatever point you consider the beginning of this kind of grieving journey with with cancer? And maybe it's in the hospital with your diagnosis or whatever point that is for you. Um, knowing what you know now and what you've been through? Uh, it, yes. That, uh, uh, and I gave it to myself and really to, uh, live by this motto uh, is that we're all given a certain amount of days here and none of us know what that is, even for those of us who choose to leave early. Uh but uh, don't waste any one of them. Don't waste uh, don't waste time on things that you can't change uh, in resenting them or <clears throat> uh, feeling sorry for yourself. Uh, every single moment we have here is precious and uh, and should be enjoyed to the to the absolute greatest degree and you know I never really stopped cooking even when I couldn't eat it uh and my neighbors are always <laughs> grateful for me <laughs> we're all grateful for you you're a really that exemplary sure. human being uh a mentor a friend a surrogate mom to so many people um just a well really, I have to say yeah. your uh lasagna pop-up was uh, uh, was an absolute uh, treasure for me. Uh, I would get these pieces of lasagna and I would cut them in half and have a little tiny piece and find uh, and make a giant salad. Oh, nice! Uh, uh, one of the best was the his uh, butternut squash with hazelnut. Oh, yeah, that was a crowd favorite. <laughs> oh my god that and the, then i made a salad of arugula and uh pine nuts and cara cara oranges and ooh, olives Ooh, that's a good combo it was stunningly delicious if anybody wants to get turned on just call up kathy and say what you cooking what's you should, cooking kathy? i know i almost feel <laughs> like it, you should start like a food phone sex hotline where you just read <laughs> menu items to people because you have such a beautiful way of speaking in a nice voice i would like we have uh, mozzarella be, what are you wearing yeah <laughs> what are you eating so uh-huh. i found i found a quote that um we both love elizabeth gilbert very much 
Um, as a matter of fact, you've had some very rich experiences. Yes, with, I have. With Elizabeth Gilbert, who is the founder of Omega. And this is what she said. She said, without bravery, you will never know the world as richly as it is that longs to be known. And Kathy, that's you. It brings me tears because you've really taught us all how to embrace not just life, but people. The way you embrace other human beings. I love humanity. One of the things I love the most is the intimate encounters you have with people you will never see again. The, uh, the person on the grocery store line, uh, the person sitting on that bench in the, in, in the park, somebody at the next table in a restaurant where you could have this encounter that is so rich and you don't know their name, you don't know their history, you don't know their their families, you uh, but you know about their soul and who they are. And uh, it, it's like getting to know stars personally. Mm. You know, that uh, I don't mean movie stars. I mean the stars in the sky, that uh, that uh, they're not your friends, but they're these glimmers of light that uh, that uh, light up your life in a way that is brilliant and uh, reminds you of the the bigness of the universe and how diverse we all are yeah you know yes uh, absolutely we're lucky to you know i think especially post covid a lot of people who have not spent time around people and of course some people are more introverted and i don't want to throw any kind of shade at anyone who doesn't maybe love people as much as you do or we do but I think there's an inclination from a lot of folks in kind of re-getting back into society to be like, I don't want to be around people. I hate people or I'm scared of people or whatever. And just that what you just said, Kath, is really a beautiful reminder of the advantage of what we, you know, have to gain from strangers and from people and from vignettes of people's lives and from connection, you know. Um, and I think that in going forward in, you know, reintroducing ourselves into the world, it's a really good thing to remember the value of strangers and the value of all these folks who you think maybe you don't have anything in common with or who you don't like. You know, it's a beautiful way to describe them as getting to know stars um, and as everything that comes out of your mouth, whether you're sexily talking about rigatoni or waxing intellectually about life. It's, a, it's a, an honor to get to listen to you talk and to hear your wisdom. Um, and I don't say that lightly, that's not hyperbole at all, that you are really the wisest person that I've ever met. And I think a lot of people would probably share that sentiment. And it really is an honor to get to hear your thoughts and your, and your perspective because they're, they're very, very valuable. Um, before we get out of here, there is one more thing that we always talk about, and I know that you're going to have an epic answer for this question. 
this is a segment that Bobby started, which I absolutely love. Um, and it's a, yes, now I know you're going to give the best answer ever, so please deliver. Um, so we like to think about, and for us, we're lucky because we're friends. We can actually make this happen. I wish it could be today. Um, if we were all going to have, or I should say, for our next dinner together, um, what will we all bring to a, a meal that we get to share together? Well, I have to say, there have, uh, there have been times uh, that I have just lusted after the uh, seafood tower that we had one Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Uh, where uh, there was every delicious uh, representation of seafood that I think I've ever seen. It was very nice. You brought crab claws and Louis sauce, I remember. Uh, it, uh, who who don't love a good Louis? <laughs> <laughs> that was a beautiful, beautiful seafood tower. That was really nice. And what would you have with that? Uh, you know, really, uh, that is an appetizer, an entree. Uh, I think there was um, a mignonette sauce there that could serve as the vegetable. <laughs> Uh, there was a little acid, there was a little heat, there was a little baked. So, uh, I think all you would need with that is, uh, a perfect dessert. Uh, that's right. Uh, dessert would have to be, uh, a lemon pie with whipped cream on the top. Yes. No, no meringue, no, none of those silly meringue curls with a with <laughs> little torch. All right, and I have the cocktail. What are you going to so bring to our cocktail? What I'm going to bring is I'm going to bring passion fruits. Because we have a saying in the world of Kathy Bodily, which is when, when you... When life brings Kathy lemons, she makes passion fruit cocktails. Oh, yes, I love it. Well, I feel like the only reasonable thing for me to bring is a delicious, still warm baguette, crunchy on the outside, nice and tender and delicious in the middle, and a giant chunk of beautiful grass-fed butter with sea salt Uh, on top. Yep. (laughs) Yep. There you go. That is perfect. We got it, ladies. Kathy, thank you. Can I say one thing? Yes, go ahead. We often say to our guests, you know, how can we find you? And often guests have a website or a podcast or is there any way that our guests can find you, Kathy? Well, I'm at the corner. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you your exact longitude and latitude. (laughs) I actually have a necklace that has the longitude and latitude of where I live, uh, where my daughter lives and where uh, she was born, oh, which beautiful. I think is interesting. We'll put a but, photo of that on the internet, so, and then people will know how to find you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- t- so my email is Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E dot bodily, B-O-D-I-L-Y at gmail.com. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm sure there's people out there who would probably want to send you a nice message or maybe, you know, 
just, I don't know, I, I can imagine that people might just use that email for some nice messages to you. And I want to personally thank you because I am not feeling well today. I'm grumpy. I double booked a guest. I uh, am feeling stressed out because I'm about to take a big road trip. And my inner angsty child bubbled up at the beginning of this episode when we were about to record. And I almost just said, fuck it. I don't want to do this because I was embarrassed about double booking the guest and I really don't feel well. I just threw up because I took vitamins without eating any food. I'm just not well this morning. Like I am not on top of my game. And then I, even though it's because you and mom are together, I'm like looking at a split screen. I can barely see you. But the one time I actually saw you, there you guys are, you cutie pies, was I looked at you when I was about to say, fuck this. And I was like, don't waste this precious time with Kathy. And if she can do it, you can certainly get through whatever shit you have going on. So you're an inspiration in big ways, small ways. And I'm so glad that I did not say fuck this shit because that would have been an absolute, such a waste of a, of a wonderful opportunity to share this really special time with you. So, And now you. may you have the rest of the afternoon to hang around in your bed and read a book or watch the Property Brothers. <laughs> or just gargle and gargle and gargle until I become one big salt lick myself from all the salt. But I think it's the message of the podcast is really today. And what Kathy's message was really is to to try to take in the moments as, as hard as they are. It takes a lot of courage to meet them, you know, even when you don't feel well and all the things that happen to us in life. But just meet the moment and surprises happen. And here you are. And you did. Yep. And show up. And here I, I am. Yeah. What do you think of my new hair? I think that you look amazing and a bit like 90s sensation Suzanne Powder. Do you remember her? Stop the Insanity? She was so hot and had the most amazing short, short bleach blonde hairdo. And she was... Do you remember who I'm talking about, Kath? I She was a fitness so. guru. I'm going to send you a picture of her. She's an incredibly gorgeous Australian woman with a very short haircut and... I think that you're channeling her vibes and I think that you look incredible and beautiful as always. Uh, someone the other day said I look like Annie Lennox. Yes, that was going to be my next one. A bit like a bear at Annie Lennox and her absolute prime. I feel like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe what's in the middle of Annie Lennox and Yoda? Like Ross Perot? <laughs> <laughs> I think you look amazing. And uh, mom, so do you. Thanks, man. Trying to hide over there. This you two This has people. been a I lovely show. Or we, we, we love to talk to you every which way, Kathy. And doing this out in the airwaves is a real honor. And thank you so much for being with us. We love you. And thanks for asking me. I, I love this too. <laughs> thank you so much, Kathy. Feel better. Thank you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much for joining us for Processing. We realize that sharing these types of deeply intimate stories on air is a very personal decision. We began this project as a way to connect our listeners through shared experiences and storytelling. 
We hope that processing can be a platform for sharing, learning, and healing. We appreciate our guests' willingness to be vulnerable and value nothing more than making both our guests' and listeners' experiences with our show positive and progressive. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or writing in a listener letter, please email processing at heritageradionetwork.org. Please follow us at processing underscore podcast on Instagram. Processing is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.